Another exciting victory edition of the Woo-hoo. Chicago Bears podcast. It's two in a row. They have an actual winning streak. Um, so yeah. with me, as always, Kyle Morris and Mike Donahue. Hi, guys. Go Bears. Hey, hello. So they went off to the nation's capital to play a bad Redskins team, and they did what they were supposed to. They beat them, and they beat them so convincingly that Booger McFarlane was sure the game was over long before any of us were. Did you guys? Oh my god! Did you guys catch Booger with a thirteen-point lead and like ten minutes to go, <laughs> declaring the Bears had already put the game away? <laughs> I I actually did not. I went out for this game, which I'm typically loath to do. I don't like to usually watch my teams in public. We had a, uh, a local PT. Well, it was, a, <laughs> it was a local uh, a PTA's dead dad's night out at my school. And I figured I uh, might as well oh, show my awful. face. Well, I, what, uh, well, what you missed was a Tuesday night Maction quality uh, <laughs> broadcast by Joe Tessator and <laughs> Booger McFarland. Bring on your Toledo and NIU. <laughs> Oh my God! Booger had some whoppers um, in that game. There was one where he was praising Mitch for a checkdown, um, and he was like, "He sees he's got nothing there. He's got." And you can look at the screenshot, and he actually has Allen Robinson streaking completely free on a deep post. Um, and he just missed him, of course, and he checked down. And Booger's praising him for the checkdown. And there was also uh, one point in the game he said the Bears are still looking for a number one receiver. Uh, which is probably news to Allen Robinson. Um, well, maybe but... maybe Booger can't see Allen Robinson. That's why he didn't know he was open and didn't know they have a number one receiver. He's he's yeah. a Rob blind. He just couldn't see him. Yeah, because I mean, uh, I mean, Robinson's played sixteen games as a Bear now, and he's right at just about a thousand yards with some limitations at quarterback. So. Yeah, if if Robinson's not a number one receiver, I don't I don't think anybody is. Well, I I went. This was great. Um, my niece, who is a very good high school volleyball player, um, had a had a game rescheduled for Monday night in DeKalb, and so it was the one I was going to go to before it got tornadoed out a couple of weeks ago. There was a tornado warning, so they canceled the game. So I ended up. So I ended up going, and she didn't play. Inexplicably, I guess because of the three games in a week with the makeup, her coach decided, don't need her to beat DeKalb, and they didn't, so they didn't play, so that was great. But that meant, on the drive home, the Bear game had started, and I was trapped. I was at the mercy of oh, Jeff Joniak for the entire first quarter. And I complain about it all the time. And I shouldn't complain about it because it's not like I don't know. But it is impossible to follow a game with that moron as your eyes. Because he is convinced that everybody is watching the game on TV with the sound down and listening to him. And he forgets the fact that most of the people who are listening to him can't see the fucking game. And they really need him to tell us little things like what yard line the ball's on, what the down is what the distance is, how much time is left. The thing he tells you all the time, though, which is super important, is whether the t- whether the Bears are moving right to left or left to right on your radio dial, and nobody gives a shit. But other than that... Well, that uh, he usually gives you the... Uh, as far as Jeff Joniak is concerned, there are only two formations in all of football. <laughs> you are either in the eye or in the gun. <laughs> The Which best was. I'm, I'm pretty sure under Nagy, the Bears have maybe used the I formation twice. Yeah. So, but if, if Mitch is under center, it's under center. It's the I, and if he's in the gun, it's just the gun. The so. best was that twice he he went to he actually went to tell us what yard line the ball was going to be on after a game. Said, "Well, I'm waiting for, waiting for the official to spot the ball," and then he was wrong by five yards both times. <laughs> Waiting for the spot of the ball. It's going to Bears have the ball at the nine. Nope, it's the 14. It's like, <laughs> holy shit. 
anybody who's ever watched a game can tell by the mechanics of the refs where the ball is going to be spotted before the ball is actually put on the ground. You know where it's going to go. And then how can you be wrong by five yards twice? It's amazing. Anyway, so that's the end of my critique of the... Although it was great. I'm so glad I heard it because I would not have known that the Bears trim was double blue and orange if Tom Thayer hadn't told me. (laughs) Tom, taking a a page from Virgil Patrick Hughes. (laughs) So before we get into... uh, I mean, because I assume there's going to be some... Uh, can y'all hear me? Yes. Okay. Let's see what happened there. Uh, I think they were trying to call me. Um, <laughs> but uh, before we get into what I assume is going to be some Mitch conversation, that's probably going to be a little depressing since Andy <laughs> said he had a thought, which sounds dangerous. Um, I feel I like occasionally exactly how good that pass rush was Monday night because I mean I'm oh. not, I'm almost numb to it at this point, but they did some shit to Case Keenum that I felt bad for him yeah. in a way that I don't think I have felt bad for a quarterback facing the Bears since uh, Matt Hasselbeck in the the regular season in 2006 when they won 37 to six and he just didn't have a prayer on every snap. I Keenum was visibly scared by the second quarter. And also, did you see the the sack and the video has been all over Twitter where Trevathan yes. deked out the left guard, just pretended like the ball had been thrown, and when the guard like slowed up, he then ran around him and got the sack. It was amazing. That's brutal. The other thing that I, I never get tired of, and yet for some reason it still surprises me, is when is that Khalil always goes for the ball first. The, the sack yeah. is second to him. His goal is, I'm going to take the ball away from the quarterback, and then, oh, I can't quite get it. I'll just slam his ass onto the ground. That's, yeah. uh, Somebody, it's, it's uh, very I fun. don't remember, I don't know who to give credit to, but said that he doesn't necessarily sack the quarterback, he sacks the ball. Yeah. He does, yeah. Well, and he draws very few penalties. I don't think, I don't know if he's had a rough thing call since he's come to Chicago. I mean, that's, it, you know, with some of these flags nowadays, it's almost impossible to avoid getting a roughing at some point. But he's very smart, and he, yeah. he if anyone has good form, it's him. He's there. Really, only been the only other Bears player, and we really only got one year of him being like this. That compares to Khalil Mack as Julius Peppers. Yeah. Peppers. When, that first yeah. year that he was with them was the only other time I have seen a guy that's just that much of a freak. That's on- it's the. Yeah, it's the only time I've seen a guy play like that that wasn't Forrest Whitaker in Fast Times at Ridgemont High after his <laughs> car got trashed. I mean, yeah, he, he, Jeff, he's, he's all over the field. It's, it's so damn entertaining. I think it was Olin that said that when Pepper showed up that year, he said he thought he was the only player in the league who could have walked into that defensive half of the locker room and had all the guys go, holy shit. You know, they were yeah. just – they, they were, you know, that a great defense was in awe of a new guy they'd picked up. And no one's like, there isn't anybody else in the league you could have picked up that they would have thought that of. It wasn't funny at the time, but I have to say it was a real power move by Julius Peppers in 2013 to take one look at Mark Tressman and Mel Tucker <laughs> and just at that point decide that he was going to quit and get himself released. Yeah. So... And sure enough, as soon as he got cut by the Bears, suddenly he had a lot more left in the yeah. tank than it looked like he did. But he, uh, he wasn't going to waste it on Mel Tucker's defense. God. So what, while Khalil did get a penalty, he got one of the Bears' 11 illegal hands to the face penalties in that game Monday, or however ridiculous amount that there were. It seemed like that was the one rule that the refs had memorized before the game, and they were going to call it whenever possible. Yeah, I think well, they the, called two of them on on Amukamara in the first half. Yeah, and he did kind of get beat like a drum in that game. Uh, that rookie receiver that the that Washington had was going to run ragging on Amukamara all night. Scary Terry, Scary Terry. Yeah, so but other than that was that was the only only weak point on that side of the ball. So you know, and he hasn't. I feel like he hasn't been getting a lot of attention, but uh, Roquan Smith still stuns me with his speed every yep. game. There's at least one play 
where I think the back has four or five yards and then Roquan is just there and there's nothing. He's a missile. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I'm sure I certainly enjoyed it. I'm sure haha Clinton Dix enjoyed it even a little bit more that he gets his first career touchdown against the Redskins who he, he <clears throat> suffered through nine awful games with them last season. So um, how long, how long has Dix been in the league now? Uh, he was drafted the same year as Kyle Fuller, so 2014. Okay. Because I remember I thought the Bears were going to draft him, and then they took Fuller, which Green Bay fans were convinced for a while was a mistake, and that Kyle Fuller is now one of the league's best cornerbacks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, high in his backfield. So. Well, there, was yeah, a, there was a year when Vic Fangio was convinced it had been a mistake, too. <laughs> <clears throat> right, because Fuller, because if I remember correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Fuller he had a he had a solid rookie year, and then kind of kind of faded for a little bit and came back. Or well, he, and then he, well, and then he missed an entire season. Right, and he, that's when that's when Vic was not exactly a fan. I think he thought Kyle should be playing, and he, he wasn't taking it. Yeah. Well, obviously it worked. Yeah, there, I think he he kind of needed to wash off the Mel Tucker on him, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you know, you don't have to, you don't have to give everyone a 15 yard cushion. Actually. It's, it's, it, in fact, it's not advisable. So. Well, so apparently Roquan must be Mel Tucker proof because wasn't Mel, his defensive coordinator at Georgia for at least Georgia. a year. So was it Mel? I thought Mel Tucker was at, uh, oh, he's was been, at Alabama. Oh, was he at Alabama? I don't know. Did he go to Georgia with Kirby Smart? That sounded right to me. Was Kirby Smart even at Georgia when Roquan was, though? How long has Kirby Smart been there? Yes. Because they were in the... Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, fair enough. I, I have not paid as much attention uh, to college football the last couple of years as I used to. So Tucker Tucker was at Georgia from 16 to 18. Yeah, so he would have coached Roquan. Okay, so yeah, he would have had it two years with Roquan. Now he's the head All coach right. at Colorado. Well, good, good luck, Buffs. Well, you know, I thought Mike Lockley was a terrible hire for Maryland, but apparently that's only – apparently uh, Nick Saban has been a better mentor for him <laughs> than Ron Zook was. So yes. he's learned a lot in his time. So that was – I was surprised to know that that was HaHa's first touchdown, he claims, since Little League. He didn't get one in high school Not even or, college? or college. No. That's surprising, actually, to me. I would have assumed. I mean, he he, he almost got he almost quite a two. few, and he certainly seemed to know what he was doing after he caught the first interception. Yeah, he almost had two. The yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he's got sixteen career interceptions. I'm really surprised he hasn't taken one of those back to the house beforehand. So, one of the best shot, one of the best shots ESPN yeah. had was on the the Kyle Fuller interception. When they showed the replay from their from their whatever they called it, boundary cam, whatever the hell it was, was he dives to catch it, and Khalil runs into the he just runs into the view of the camera, sees that he's caught it, spins around, and is about to just knock the crap out of any resident who can get anywhere near. It was I was sitting at home and I was afraid. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna hit me. <laughs> You know, just some hard hitting analysis here, but that Kalo Max is just a really good football player. He really he does everything right. It's 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 hard to find any flaws in his game. Yeah, you can see why the Raiders had had enough of him. So yeah, that was good. Yeah. Oh well, I saw a tweet, and I I don't know who it was that said it, but it was after that game, and someone said, "Imagine being the." the Gruden that didn't trade Khalil Mack and somehow still being the stupid group talking about Jay. I saw that. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw that, that. that made me laugh. All right. So um, the defense certainly, and only did it look great, but now they're suddenly back, even with no turnovers in the first game and only one in the second, they seem to be right back on pace yeah. now for their, <clears throat> for their season turnover total that well, we wanted. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is rolling into town, so I expect yeah, that train so. home game. They're just so fun to watch. I mean, when when you know Trevathan, I thought had a hell of a game, and you know 
take your pick. Four, I mean, you got four. You know, it's a three-four. You got four linebackers. All four of them are worth the price of admission, and uh, it's just I'm I'm just watching it, just like cackling maniacally. Uh, by the time uh, they got to a third strip fumble, <laughs> I mean, just uh, by by in the second half, it was just it reminded me of the '85 Bears. Just they they were just well, and Leonard Floyd this year is really everything that I kind and, and he came yeah. on strong. He did in the second year. half last year. But Leonard Floyd this year it has become everything I always hoped he'd be, and he's mm-hmm. really taking advantage of the attention that Khalil Mack gets. I mean, mm-hmm. when you block Floyd one on one, he puts pressure on the quarterback almost every snap. So he, yeah, they all just they're doing exactly what they need to do. Well, and I noticed maybe it's maybe it's the white uniform, but he. He looks he doesn't look skinny anymore. Now he's a now he's a tall big dude, not a tall athletic skinny dude who can play defensive end. I mean he looks like you know, he's obviously now he's been a pro for this is fourth year, fifth year. Yeah. And he's completely grown into what I think they projected that he was going to. And yeah, he, he, he's a menacing looking dude anyway, and now he's even bigger. Yeah, he really he's really developed the way they always hoped Shea McClellan would, but didn't. Ouch. This is the case where you, you took the project guy and it actually worked. So he, he's really um, he's really getting there. And then um, another thing I know I praised him for it last week, I think, but I really I think Pagano has been incredibly smart and effective when he has decided to blitz instead of just rush you, forward. You mentioned so, that last week, and I was looking at that, and you're right, during the game. Compared he, he to, did, compared he to he didn't have to dial it up very often, but the few times he did, it it was very effective. They, they have no defense for that nickel off the edge, given how effective the four-man rush was the rest of the time. So the defense looked great. Before we get to the offense... Does it seem like maybe the Bears took an unnecessary risk in making poor little Eddie Pinheiro kick when he could only use one foot? <laughs> uh, <laughs> when they I said, oh, he's got a pinched nerve, and he, but he can kick through it, and then every time you watched him, he like literally didn't even want to step on the bad foot, which is a problem well, last, when you're a kicker. The last field goal, the last field goal really pissed me off because, for one, it was fourth and two. And if you pick up one more first down, you can ice the clock anyways. Yeah. Um, second yeah. of all, it changed literally nothing about the tactical situation in the game to have that three points. Like, it it, it was – yeah, I don't – that last kick was nonsensical, and I, I don't know what they were thinking. Also, how does a kicker get hurt in the weight room? Why is he in the weight room? Well, I was going to ask, how did he get hurt? Because, you know, we see him kicking – the last time we saw him, he's kicking I, I can only, I can only well, assume – he- he said something to Olin Cruz. That's a, that was, uh, damn it. That was my that joke. Don't he stole his joke, Kyle. <laughs> he had added up on a T. Damn it. I'm going to re-edit that and put my joke in and go right over yours. <laughs> Shit. Um, I didn't what, – one last thing about the defense. I wasn't uh, really around much media today. What, is there any word on Hicks? Is he going to be all right for uh, Sunday? That I, I haven't heard anything on Hicks. Taylor Gabriel seems like uh, he probably will play, but uh, Hicks, okay. I'm not sure. Okay. Hopefully, if I know Hicks, I don't think Hicks practiced this today. I don't know how Gabe- that both. I mean, it's only Wednesday practice, but Gabriel Hicks and Pinero all none of them practiced today. Did Bilal Nichols practice? Dun, 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 let's see. Oh no, he's got a broken hand. He's going to be out for a little while, I think. So. Well, you know, no, Bilal did not. Limited in practice were Eddie Jackson with a shoulder, um, Corderell. I guess that's Cordero, right? I never Cordero. call him Cordero with a tricep. I sound like Wani now. And Roy Robertson Harris got a got a glute. He's got a tricep. Full participation. Wait, Roy, so Roy Robertson Harris? That's Hicks's backup, right? Yeah, they they're getting. Hopefully Hicks can play because if not, they're getting pretty well, thin on the defense. Yeah. Well, they were limited. Usually, yeah. if you're limited midweek, you're gonna they're resting you. You're gonna play. That's true. Fully participating were Trey Burton with a, he's got a groin. Kyle Long he's got a hip. 
and Bobby Massey has uh, got an illness. I, I love that when um, when Nagy gave the reason why Massey couldn't play, he said he got a little case of vertigo. <laughs> Is there degrees of vertigo? I just got a little bit of it. I only yeah. fall down sometimes. <laughs> I think you either have vertigo yeah. or you don't. I will get Nick Asaski on the podcast. Oh, to let us know. I was waiting for the Nick Asaski reference. <clears throat> I just had to say it fast in case you beat me to it. I was thinking it, but I couldn't work Stealing it out. all my jokes. <laughs> oh, Nick Asaski. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully they have. I would really I hope they have Hicks on Sunday because the Vikings um, have correctly figured out that their best game plan is to not let Kirk Cousins throw the ball. So, yeah. Um, they're going to need that front seven to, to stop the Vikings run game and force Cousins to put it up 30 times, in which case that should take care of itself. But Yeah, because uh, Delvin Cook will run it up your ass and fast. Right. So it would be nice yeah, to have Akeem. He's a good bet. If, uh, if Cousins throws the ball 30 times, I can't imagine he's going to be upright at the end of the game. You know, that's exactly – Yeah, they, they need to stop the – if they stuff the Vikings run and – Yeah, they need the next. Coordinator, what is his name, Stefaneski? Like, he, he's really definitely an established the run type of guy. So, if they can if they can beast out up front, then that guy, I think, will waste 15 useless carries. You know, that's those are the nice games where uh, – and that well, in the opener, LaFleur kind of gave the Bears a break because he kept trying to establish the run instead of just letting Rodgers throw. So there were 10 or 15 completely wasted plays. So I think if they can beast out up front, they can do that to the Vikings. Yeah, it was pretty much a guarantee that after the John Filippo experiment last year that whoever Mike Zimmer hired was going to run the ball. I mean, he was basically – Screaming at Filippo during games. That's right. Run the ball. Wait, um, how did that remind me how that went down last year? He he got fired him. Fired in him in the middle of the, middle yeah, of the season. Late, right? late in the season, they just fired him. Todd Packer fired him. Huh? Well, Filippo was doing the thing where he uh, basically already had his eye on his head coaching gig. That's what I remember. Before he was- because I mean, he had the, I think the Bears yes. interviewed him. He was one of the finalists. Yep. I, think he, that. I think he thought he was getting the Bear job. Get, you got the old, what is it, uh, Bill Frieder treatment? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember. Um, I remember there was a year where Jim Fossil was the Ravens' offensive coordinator, and Brian Billick fired him after just that one year, and he he said literally that he was more interested in prepping himself for further head coaching interviews than actually like putting together a game plan week to week. And of course it's hilarious because nobody was fucking interviewing Jim Fossil at that point, but it was, did, did Brian Billick get out of it? Did put down the Rick Pitino book in the hammock to pick up the phone and fire Fossil or did he just, uh, do you remember that? That's, I think that is, were they the first hard knocks team ever? Was that those Ravens? And it, th- whatever season it was, if they were the first season or not, the first shot is this iconic image of Billick at home in a hammock reading a Rick Pitino book. <laughs> oh, my God. I think we were the second team ever because I believe the first team ever had uh, was the Cowboys, and it was the infamous uh, quarterback battle between Chad Hutchinson and Quincy Carter. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. So. Wait, former Cubs farmhand, Quincy Carter. Yes, and former Bear superstar, Chad Hutchinson. Chad Hutchinson, yeah, threw four touchdowns against these Vikings, I want to say, December of 04. But that was before 04. How long has Hard Knocks been on? Oh, a long time. And I think it was on, and I think it was on a season, then not on, and then has been on every year since. Every year since. I believe that's right. So speaking of superstar Bear quarterbacks, how about Mitch putting it all together? How in the first half? Ah. <laughs> he had he had one throw I was legit impressed with. And I think I think people some people were criticizing the the throw to Gabriel for being a little too far out of bounds, but I mean that was a hell of a throw when you're scrambling yep. to your right and you have that much of a window. There was really nowhere else to put it based on where Gabriel is, and he's not 
exactly one of those dudes where you can expect him to high point the ball anyways. Um, but otherwise, I, what I'll say about Trubisky is that I thought Nagy had the best game plan he's had in a long time. He, he did all the things I was saying that I would like to see him do. They went tempo. There was a lot of motion before the snap. There was some play action. Um, I think that is the, the – and, and he also made Montgomery the feature back. I think that's going to be the trend from here on out. Yeah, so, yeah. Davis um, had one touch, I think, right? Yeah, for the most part, I thought I thought Mitch had a very he executed the offense, which is mostly what he well, he was the point guard that they said he needed to be, and then he had know, he converted he some so he converted some t- some tight third down pass. I mean, you know, I mean, you, I, I I get where you're coming from, and I understand. Yeah, it's easy to take the tack that Nagy set him up to succeed, but he still had to execute some of those throws. I mean, even if they weren't, oh, yeah, no, I, mean, weren't was, I would, I would not call that a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. He had one so. truly horrible throw. Yes, right, the interception. I compared it to uh, the interception that he threw, and it was so disappointing because Robinson beat Norman like a drum yeah. on that play. I mean, he had, he had the touchdown if he had actually thrown an end zone fade into the end zone. Um, but, you know, I compared it in, in like Madden, when you want to throw it deep, you, you do a little lob pass. You just have to like tap the button and, it, and it'll lob it. If the button sticks, it fires a laser. <laughs> and, you know, I've had that before where a receiver is streaking downfield and I try to throw the lob, but then the button sticks. And, you know, you just end up throwing it right to the linebacker. And I think, I think the button stuck for yeah. Mitch. So, well, I think that the the long throw to Gabriel was a perfect example of something we talked about last week, which was that was Mitch's talent taking over, and he got he wasn't in his head. He rolled out, he saw it, he just did it because we know Mitch has talent. That's not an issue. It's what can he actually get out of that talent? And so he every once in a while he does something like that, and you're like, well, shit, you know he. You know, there is something there. He's, it's not. He wasn't. He wasn't completely over evaluated. Just a little bit over evaluated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think people misunderstand his inaccuracy because his inaccuracy, his inaccuracy is not Josh Allen's, where you can put that guy in shorts and do a seven on seven, and and four out of ten times he's just going to miss the pass anyways. Mitch is the dude whose mechanics get screwed up and he whose you know whose processing is delayed. So when when what looks like a bad pass from him, it's it's very rarely because he just flat out misses. It's because he either sees his guy too late and then rushes the throw, or he's scrambling and his mechanics get all out of whack. He's not uh, when everything goes right for him or whenever he, like you said, whenever he's not thinking, and especially when he's rolling to his right, he, he can make some great throws. But uh, mm-hmm. And that was the way he, Nagy did what I was hoping he would do. He got him up. I don't think there was a single play in that game except until, until they were running out the clock where Mitch wasn't at the line of scrimmage with at least 10 seconds to go on the clock. They were getting the plays in fast. They were letting him make his his reads and his diagnosis, and that's how you get those easy, compl- you know. I, I knock the easy completions, but like you want that, you want that, and those guys, those easy completions weren't there in the first two weeks because they weren't getting to the line early. They weren't making those pre snap reads, and he wasn't identifying where that easy completion was going to be. So that was a huge step in the right direction for the game plan, at least. Yeah, it gets back to the old "don't think you'll only hurt the ball club." Well, that's yeah. I think my my the thing with Mitch, I just I think he's kind of dumb. I might be wrong. <laughs> with he just I think it's a little bit upstairs. He looks he's kind of got that vacant, you know. And not that you have to be a genius. I mean, fucking Brett Favre had a career, but um, yeah, I do I do think that's. I just don't know how much he's got going up, uh, you know, upstairs. I was just looking now. His first five third downs, he was four or four. He took a sack on one of them. Uh, and three of those four he converted. So I don't know. I, he made he made some throws. So yeah, no. I my take on Mitch is actually going to be optimistic, but I need Kyle to you. set it up 
because you were talking about how long it takes to evaluate what the old thought was, how, how long it takes to evaluate a quarterback as to what it probably really is now. Right. So back in the day, the, the rule was always you can't judge a quarterback until after year three. And I've done a lot of number crunching originally to defend Mitch because I was trying to argue that his second year number when his numbers for a second year quarterback were pretty good. So I was trying to argue like really it's more by the end of year two, you know, you can pretty much rule out if a guy is actually bad or God damn it. Sorry, my cat's biting me. <laughs> Fuck you. Get the hell out of here. Bye. All right. But no. it's it's really by the end of year three, if you want if you want a guy who's who's elite or whatever the term you want to use is, they're either gonna show it by the end of year three or they're probably not gonna show it at all. There's not a lot of examples in recent history. Now back in the eighties or nineties when guys like Rick Meyer were getting drafted number two overall simply because they played at Notre Dame and, you know, they made Warren Moon go to fucking Canada. <laughs> uh you had some more guys who would have late career um, breakouts because they had been overlooked. But nowadays, the way things run, you really don't see too many guys breaking out in year four or year five. Well, so if, if he's I, not going to do it this year, he's not going to do it. So that's why I tend I, to be kind of skeptical. Can I just ask how much of a mitigating factor it was having John Fox as his coach the first year? I mean, I hope it's a mitigating factor, but, you know – Lots of rookie quarterbacks get drafted by idiots in year one. So, I mean, it's not like he's unprecedented having a new coach in year two. Lots of them do. So, All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop some corporate synergy here because this inexplicably came up on the Decipio Cub podcast <laughs> earlier tonight. Uh, Sam Fells and I were talking about it. And what we decided was that not only was Mitch's first year a waste of time because he was under Fox and Dowell Loggins, but it actually was harmful to him That's because he I didn't, instead of getting no coaching, he got really bad coaching. So I'm going to petition uh, football analytics that now we're going to consider last year, Mitch's rookie season. So he's, oh, he's in year two now, just because he not only, didn't progress the way you'd like a young quarterback to. I think he learned a lot of shit that had to be undone last year, which may have made us all think, all right, well, Nagy got all that knocked out of him. Here we go. But I I don't think any of us are really convinced that Nagy can really knock all that stuff out of him. And that he's not on, he's not on the same curve. And it's exacerbated by the fact that they drafted a guy who barely played in college. So, I think as much as I I I'm, I get super frustrated with Mitch, not because I don't because I need him to be a superstar. I just need him to be a competent quarterback to not fuck this team up. As I get farther away from the Green Bay debacle, I'm more open to the idea that his development curve is just behind, and we can't as much as we'd want him to be great right now. I don't think that's certainly not a fair expectation. I also don't think it's a fair expectation that he be where the the two f- better quarterbacks that went mm-hmm. after him in the draft are. So I'm I'm willing now because I'm such a big man um, to <laughs> oh, to to, to give Mitch more leeway than I was after what was to me a completely demoralizing effort against the Packers and not well, much better you, against the Broncos. Well, you see it. Um, you see it a lot. When he, the way he very often will glance at his his guy deep, and he's got a shot at him, and he just doesn't take it. And part of me wonders: is that just who he is? Is he just scared, or is that still the John Fox? Because I mean, John Fox would straight up tell him, like, if you don't, if you're not a hundred percent confident, you can make the throw. You just don't make it at all. And I don't think that's the mentality that Nagy would have, but. I mean, I think what we really need to do is we need to go find Ernie Accorsi and kick his ass. <laughs> because we know, I mean, we're, I don't know if we know, but we're pretty sure that if the Bears had let, had, you know, they hired Pace to be the general manager, had they just let him do the job, he was going to hire Adam Gase. That was going to be his first head coach. Instead, they convinced him 
that he needed a veteran presence on the sideline. And so he didn't do that. He, Gase was the offensive coordinator the first year and then was off to become a head coach somewhere else. And I'm not saying Adam Gase is a, is a great head coach, but he certainly, had he been around for year one of Mitch, Mitch would be much farther along than he is. Of course, the whole timeline gets fucked up and now nothing is the same. But I, I, there's no question that the, the Bears wasted time with John Fox for no apparent reason. Wait, walk, walk me through the Ernie Corsi timeline again. They brought him on as a, as a consultant for the Fox hire, right? Or no, well, he even helped hire and the Fox hire. Yeah, yeah. so the what, good. The what hire? He pace and. Fox. Oh, that's what it was. The GM. Okay. Yes. All right, I got it now. He helped hire both. He got paid twice for whatever that. That's a job that wow. I really want to have. Seriously. Where, you just you talk to two agents and go, what uh what clients you got that you think are ready to be head coaches and they give you some names and then you give them to an owner and they pick one and then you get paid for it that really seems like a pretty sweet deal that's nice they, uh, uh, they hired an executive search firm to hire a gm and it landed on jerry angelo so. <laughs> yeah that's uh. um I just wanted to say, and I hadn't really considered this until lately, but it's, it seems pretty obvious. You know, we've t- we talk about it every week. And, you know, you sit back and you, and you see Mahomes just sit back on his back foot and fling the ball about 45, years, 45 yards on a dime. But I will say, are we just assuming that Mahomes would be this successful right now with the Bears? I mean, he does have two pretty damn good receivers too, right? Uh, Hill and Watkins. I mean, right now Hill's not even playing, nor is Travis Kelsey, and he's still out. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, Mahomes has he's got a lot of advantages. He's he's really talented, but having Andy Reid as his head coach is certainly advantageous to him because for for all of Andy's flaws, none of them are the way he puts together an offense or coaches a quarterback. Right. I mean, he's really good at it. And so you could you can kind of reverse this and go well that's fine they 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 draft Mahomes and then they give him to John Fox and Dowell Loggins and they waste a year with him but he's also probably the most he's certainly the most talented quarterback he might be one of the two or three most talented players in the NFL so yeah. he would have he yes he would have been this good eventually maybe because not quite I, as quickly but he would okay. have been really really good even even for the Bears. Because part yeah, Mahomes is I. I think you have to have some level of delusion to think that just looking at what they've done, to not just admit that on any level Mahomes is just better than. No, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even disputing Do I think that. The gap is as significant if he's on any other team. Probably okay. not. Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid made Michael Vick look like an accurate passer. I mean, he he certainly wasn't. No one else got that out of him. But Andy Reid did. So, I mean, Andy Reid is, is phenomenal. But, I mean, and, and this is not a – I don't mean this to knock Mahomes' numbers in any fashion at all, but they also do – they run more screens than any team in the NFL. They do – Mahomes is maybe the most physically talented quarterback in the NFL. He can make throws no one else can. can and Andy Reid still – has him in maybe the most quarterback friendly team, so it, it's really a perfect storm there. But well, I, I mean, I only I only brought it up because prior to Monday, it was starting to dawn on me that you know I know that Mitch had hardly gotten any completions to Miller and Gabriel, but I was starting to wonder are, are those guys just not able to get open either? Because uh, at least in the Denver game, it looked like they were in man, and they're just not getting separation now. Right obviously, they changed. Plus, you referenced Kelsey. It was he's nice been to, in and out. But what's that? It was nice I, to see Miller actually get involved in the game plan uh, yeah. this week because I mean they 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 ran a lot more crossing routes and slant this week, which first of all is what Mitch needs, and second of all, like if you're going to be running that kind of offense, then, then you have to go Miller more than Gabriel uh, for those crossing routes. That's what Miller specializes in. So it was good to see them. I was starting to get worried that Miller was just more injured than they had let on because his his disappearance was feeling that inexplicable. But it well, was it was comforting to me to see him get the ball. Yeah, we talked about it, I think last week. Hub just decided Miller was dumb. 
He didn't know the no, offense. That's right. why he was playing less, which is <laughs> that. But if you think about it, especially the first two games, the way Mitch played and the defenses they played, if if you're in the game and you're the second or third or fourth option on a pass play, you weren't getting the ball. Mitch wasn't getting – he certainly wasn't getting to three or four. It was going to be one, two, or whatever. So if, if, if those guys are in the game in a spot where on any given play – they're his third or fourth read, they might as well run the other way. It, it just wasn't going to matter. You know, by, yeah, the, by, the, by the way, us talking every week about, uh, about Trubisky uh, vis-a-vis Mahomes, you know that's just headed for a uh, collision course for week 17, right? Yep, when Mitch thoroughly outduels Patrick Mahomes and puts us all well, back in our place. Not to put the car I mean, before the, the, the horse. The real duel there is definitely going to be the bear. The, I'm very intrigued to see the Bears' defense. That's what I'm getting at. Not to put the cart Against before the horse. Yeah. Uh, week 16, by the way, it's a penultimate weekend, but at Soldier Field on a Sunday night. Uh, I know it's a long way away, but let's hope it's uh, it's significant and we're we're pretty stoked about it when we're doing this. Yeah. Well, and speaking of the Bears' schedule, I'm disappointed that I w- one of the things I was excited about when I saw they had a London game was. The fact that it would be on at 9 o'clock in the morning all by itself so I could get up, have a couple of beers at 9 o'clock in the morning, and watch the Bears. (laughs) And it's not. It's just a – It's at noon. They moved it back. It's just another stupid noon game except Ah. it's like why even bother to send teams to London if you're not going to showcase the game? And then you had – it was great when they would do that because then you had football from 9 o'clock in the morning Uh. until, you know, 11 o'clock at night. I don't get why they switched it back takes me back to the three three new year's eve new year's days i spent in vegas just rolling over in bed and watching college football i guess the only the only thing i could think of is because they're playing the raiders raiders fans 7 a.m 7 a.m but they're raiders fans they're gonna do it it doesn't matter their team's leaving anyway so they've they've faced bigger hardships than having to watch a football game at seven o'clock in the morning good point yeah, that that makes no sense to me either. I I also enjoyed it being the nine a.m. game. Yeah, and uh, the Raiders don't play a a home game until November. Like starting last week, they're either they're either on the road in London or on a bye for the last Jeez. two weeks of September and all of October, I believe. So that's wow. a fun schedule. So, Mike, while you're looking that up, because I can see that you are, I can answer our hard, our hard, our hard knocks question. First season ever was the Ravens. The second season was the Immortal uh, Cowboys season. Um, did, the, did the first season have a plot line on Elvis Gerbach replacing Trent Dilfer? I believe it did. Yes. Okay, I sort of remember that now. Yeah. And then so I didn't was, remember this. It, they the Ravens were o one, the Cowboys were o two. Then the, it went away until o seven, and then it's been back every uh, year since. Except for they didn't do one in twenty eleven. That's I remember they sat out a year. And then this I found interesting. Maybe only I did. But Liev Schreiber has been the voice of Hard Knocks for every season but one. And it was a Kansas City Chief season in two thousand seven. Paul Rudd, right? It, yes, and it was Paul Kansas Rudd. City native Paul Rudd. Okay. Have they ever done a team more than uh, in, in 2015, I think it was, when the Royals, I think it was when they clinched the pennant, or maybe might have been when they actually won the World Series, but Paul Rudd went on Fox and was like, we're having a party at my mom's house every once in a while. No team has been on Hard Knocks more than once, right? Or have they? Mm, the Cowboys, I think, have been on. All right, so I'm feeling like like with the Major League Baseball All Star Game, like when when is it going to be the Bears' turn? It's practically gone through the entire, more than half the league. Some weird rules, and I I think every time the Bears have, when it would have made sense for it to be the Bears, they have either had like they usually don't do it with a brand new head coach, and they usually you don't have to do it if you just made the playoffs yes. the year before. So, yeah, but there have been years where they could have forced the Bears, and I really thought that they should have and any team can volunteer to do it and i think that's i think that's why the cowboys did it twice because jerry loved it um it's the cowboys twice the Bengals have actually done it twice 
Yes, and Seriously? I think the Bengals did it the second time because nobody else would. And so they leaned on Paul Brown Mike and Brown. Mike Brown. Mike Brown. Brown. Not Paul Brown. That would be you'd need a shovel to lean well, on well, Paul lean Brown. On. <laughs> on Mike Brown. And I'm sure they cut him a, probably a relatively small check because he's such a cheap bastard. And he's like, okay, fine, we'll do it. I'll take it. Paul Brown. Good Lord. <laughs> the, how the hell have the Bengals been on a twin? That's, that's crazy. They never won a playoff game under Marvin Freeman, right? He like blew by. The no, Bengals. not not Marvin Freeman. Marvin or, Marvin, Lewis. or Marvin Lewis either. Marvin Lewis. Who the hell? Marvin, my bad. But uh, there, I there still think, once... go ahead. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think they ever won a single playoff game. I still think if Carson Palmer hadn't shredded his knee, they actually win that 2005. Or, but... or if I okay, well that's fair. Or yeah, I mean, because at one point there was a a stat, and I know this because I once won an ESPN 1000 T-shirt on Mac Yurko and Harry Ooh. back in about 2001. Oh boy! And the question yeah, was. The question, I'm telling you, I was living the dream. The question was, there are only three coaches, and this is back in 2000, 2001, there are only three coaches in NFL history who have appeared in at least three postseasons never to have won a playoff game. And, of course, I figured out two of them right away. One was Buddy Ryan. One was Jim Mora. The third happened to be Allie Sherman, who the Bears beat in 63 for his third consecutive loss, never won a playoff game. I also like to point out that Jim Mora and Buddy Ryan – are the only two coaches that Mike did could beat in the playoffs after the Super Bowl, hmm. Super Bowl twenty, and interestingly okay. enough, they both had sons that did win a playoff game. But Marvin Lewis blew by that record because he went to because Buddy Ryan and Jim Moore only went to the playoffs I think three times. They just lost them all. That was the record. Lewis was like zero and seven or something, right? He, he kept was, getting chances. Yeah, he was, so he yeah. was indeed zero and seven. I just yep. pulled it up right now. They okay. went. He lost. Uh, a division game in 2005, wild card it looks like in 2009, 2011, 2012, 2013. And the one that capped it off was the one two years ago where they completely had the game in hand yes. in Pittsburgh, and they just couldn't stop thugging it up and getting 15-yard uh, personal fouls. Pac-Man Jones and Vontez and Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah. All right, so, so I mean, the yeah, question ahead. only I cared about with the Raiders – they are at the Colts this week. Then they host the Bears in London on the 6th of October. Then they have a bye. Then they're at the Packers on the 20th. Then they're at the Texans on the 27th. So they don't play in Oakland again until no- November 3rd. That's just a – the only I, – I, part of it, I'm sure, is because they're one of the – are they the only team still that actually shares – a baseball field. Yeah, and so they get them out for all of October in case the A's, or the A's usually are well, done after a day. Um, but the nice they, thing they, is they can, they, they actually can, infield. right, they can actually plant some fucking grass and they don't have to play on the infield. <laughs> it does take me back to see that. It was a lot more common 30 years ago. Like, here you go, he's just 30 to 20 across the second base. There was a former NFL player who tweeted the other day. He was like, if you want to know what it's like as a football player to uh, get tackled onto that dirt infield in Oakland, he said, just go outside, start running down a gravel road at a dead sprint, and then just flop into the air and land on your face. Yeah, yeah I heard they read that quote. I don't know who said that, but I saw that. So when, um, when, when I was at Northern – which the same time Mike was there, pretty much. Um, we for for the last year we were there, we lived in Stadium View Two, so we lived right behind yep. wonderful Husky Stadium. And yep. for whatever reason, they used to leave the lights on in the stadium all the time. And so yep. occasionally we would hop the fence and play softball on the turf. But um, one day we got the brilliant idea to play football on <laughs> and started tackling each other. And that was the old turf. That was pre field turf. And right. that was basically like taking a thin sheet of felt and putting it over concrete right. and just throwing each other out. It was amazing that they like used to play. table. It was amazing you could play football on that shit. It was. <laughs> no. Just, no. Whoever thought Think that was a good it. idea. Right. Like, so you look at the, the videos or the highlights of Soldier Field in the 80s or Veterans Stadium, of course, famous for blowing out Wendell Davis's two knees on the same play. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's almost inconceivable 
today. Well, the, the maybe somewhat apocryphal story about Wendell's was, so he, he jumps up for the pass, feet somehow stick to the turf for a split second, which causes him to tear both patella tendons. Yeah. And when they, um, when the trainers got to him, they couldn't find his kneecaps because they had gone up like under his thighs. <laughs> oh, God, it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I could have. Uh, wow, yeah, yeah, I, could, I, I didn't, I didn't need to hear that. <laughs> right. I, what, what's the more horrific career-ending injury, Wendell Davis or Johnny Knox? I mean, Johnny getting hit in his back of his head, touching his heels. Was that bad? I remember a certain red ass who, uh, who before the extent of Knox's injury was clear, said it serves him right for fumbling. If he had held on, if he had held on to the ball, he'd be walking today. <laughs> All right, it, it might have been a little bit of heat. I was trying to keep you safely enough. No, no, no. Oh yeah, we, nobody, nobody could have cracked that code. Because you were, you were at that game, right, Kyle? Or no? Yeah, I was at that game. Um, so did you boo him when they as they carted him off? <laughs> <laughs> boo, hang out of the ball next time, cripple. <laughs> I didn't boo because I thought he was dead. Um, <laughs> I uh, so I had gone up. I had gone up to because I don't know if our listeners know this. I I'm I'm not from Chicago. I'm from Podunk, and uh, I had gone up the night before because I I was going to the game with our, our dear friend Andrew. Um, I'd gone up the night before, and I was staying with my my wife's cousin and her husband. They live in Naperville, and I went to a holiday party with them. Now again, important thing. I am a dumb hick from the sticks, and I had we, we went to Benny's. Uh, her husband and I we were splitting a bottle of Maker's Mark, and I was getting very drunk. And at this holiday party, I was like, you know, I'm getting pretty drunk. I better lay off. I'll drink some of this uh, this this nice punch um, that I did not realize was sangria. Mm-hmm. Or, or I guess at the time, I uh, dumb kid from Iowa that I was, I didn't realize sangria had alcohol in it. So, a little bit. Eleven o'clock that night, I throw it up in the back of their cabin, wondering you know, why I'm so drunk. Wow! Yeah. So when I and when I ran into our friend Andrew the next day, when I ran into our friend Andrew the next day, he looked at me like, "What the fuck happened to you?" <laughs> Maybe the most hungover I've ever been in my life for my first ever wow. Bears game at Soldier Field, and they lost thirty-seven to thirteen to Tavares Jackson, and Johnny Knox almost died. God. So, yep. So now, when you were at when you were at Benny's, were were there any Cub managers on a Segway, <laughs> zipping around? <laughs> uh, well, this was this was 2011, so I don't think Mike Quaddy. Oh, he uh, would have done it if he'd have known there. If he'd have known they had a Segway, he'd have yeah, been on it, and he'd have been given like, given nicknames to all the guys in the store. I do like to picture a drunken Lou Pinella just crashing into <laughs> shelves of. All right, what are you gonna uh, do? Pinot Grigio. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you want me to do? What do you want with me? Yeah, you gave me you gave me the scooter here and a bottle of wine. What do you want me to do? <laughs> uh, good times. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't ever go to Chicago unless I get super drunk and throw up in someone's bathroom. Mike can testify. That's right. Well, that's right. I think he was there the night that I. I threw up a bacon bomb in our friend Oleg's place. So. Yeah, yeah. I think we all took turns. We were all so excited to see you make the trip to the big city. I think everybody <laughs> took turns buying you a shot. Yeah. And uh, it turned out not to be so wise by the end of the night. <laughs> that was one of the Cubs convention nights. That, right, was, guys, uh, so... the... Oh, that was the night that Gordon Wittenmeyer had uh... – his oh, friendly yeah. conversation with Andy. So yeah, yeah it, was, right. it was a legendary night all around. That was also <laughs> the night where, um, after we got done arguing with each other, Brat decided he would buy. He offered to buy him a drink, and Gordon. He, Gordon tried. No, Mike offered to buy Gordon a drink, and oh. uh, Gordon tried to order like a forty dollars <laughs> glass of scotch, and Mike's, okay. like, Mike's like, "No, a, a normal drink." And that's what. I think. <laughs> Awfully conciliatory of Mike to offer him a drink. Well, yeah. well he was pretty Kudos. drunk. And I may sure. or may not have been the time that I um, ended up telling Crane to go F himself. I... No, it was the same night. It was all the same night. Yes. All the same night. Yep. So, uh, speaking tangentially of the Cubs, 
we have a conflict on Sunday because all of the Major League Baseball games are going to start at the same time, so nobody gets it two fifteen. This Bear game's at three twenty five. Guys, how are we going to know which game to? Oh, that's right, the Cubs got eliminated, so don't worry. About the, the only thing that might be worth watching is if somehow the Brewers hang around. And as much as the Brewers are a boil in my ass, like the Cardinals were for most of my life. I would still rather see them get in there than well, St. Louis the, uh, because of the fan base. Yes, that's the last thing. See, now the Cubs are back in a very familiar role over the history spoiler. of the team. They are the spoiler. Cardinals lost again today. Brewers yep. won. So it's a game and a half. Game and a half. Cardinals are off yep. tomorrow. The Brewers play. If the Brewers win, it'll be a one-game lead with the yep. with the Cubs going to Bush for three days, trying to avoid having the fucking Cardinals celebrate on the field in front yep. of them. It would be nice yep. to yep. kick them into the wild-card game where then they can deal with Max Scherzer and – Right, whoever. And the, but the Bear, the Bears game's at three because that's the price of success. It's yes. the home game, but it doesn't start till three, right? That's exactly right. Three, it's even. It's not even just the three o'clock game. It's oh, the it's late three, window. It's three twenty-five. So oh. that because I'm sure we're going to get, um, I'm sure we're getting Joe and Troy. Okay. Oh. So, so speaking of that, it is a um, the Bears are favored by a scant two points. Not even two and a half. Oh, just two. Damn. Can I can I assume the Bears are favored in week one against the Packers? They were, right? Yes, they've been they favored. Been. They've been favored every week. Every so game. Okay. They were favored by three against Green Bay. So two and a half against they have, the They have only covered once. Because of the because of the Eddie Pinero needed heroics. They've did not cover. Right. Had they been able to just stop that final drive they would have. yeah unless then obviously they po- unless somehow you got two points instead of two and a half in the denver game you're right uh what's the over under for this one the over under is a tiny 38 well they yeah, went over probably. last week right we all took the under yeah. last week and they uh they almost hit it by i half took time. i took the over you did take the over. i had the points okay. in the over yeah, uh, and it was because I figured the defense was going to score, and I actually thought they'd score more than once. But and, they didn't need to because Mitch was busy almost, lighting it up. They almost did. This was on fire. I will, I will take the Bears and the under. I'm going to say Bears, Bears 19, Vikings 14. All right, so that is under 33. I had to do the math in my head. I, yeah, that that. Oh, don't cry away. You can um, Would you say it was at thirty-eight or 38, 38 and a half? Depends where you shop. At the Westgate, <laughs> thirty-eight. If you want to go, if we want to run over to uh, uh, the, uh, that's weird. It must be MGM's online thing because they have the MGM line. It's thirty-eight, but MGM bet MGM whatever that is, thirty-eight and a half. So if you want to okay. make, you want to make a trip, you can pick up that half. You can also pay extra, and you can actually buy the half point if you want. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Bears, and I'm gonna take either a push or the slide over at 24 to 14. Uh, I'm gonna take the uh, taking the Bears and the over. Uh, I'm I'm counting on both Mitch and Kirk throwing touchdowns to both teams. I think that's. <laughs> I think that, points right there. Yep, I think that'll help push push it over. And hopefully, for the Bears' yeah, sake, yeah, yeah. they cancel each other out. They'll be in good shape. Is what's Minnesota secondary like? Is that uh, is that viable it's even if good. Is... Okay, it's good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's as good as it has been in previous years, but their front seven still. I mean, it, it's a solid defense. Zimmer always puts out a good defense. I I clown mean, on him a lot because. Because he looks like Todd Packer from The Office. Well, I think in a lot of ways he he is kind of like a Buddy Ryan for this era. Like he, if he he treats offense as, as little more than an inconvenience <laughs> to him. Sure. But uh, I mean, he does. I think his defense is is solid. Um, but I do I do think their offense revolves entirely around the run game. I think the Bears can stop the run, force Cousins to throw, and then you know happy times will follow. So, oh, especially if Hicks is playing. Yeah, that, that that's a big one. Yeah, I I like Zimmer, and I especially like he's one of those coaches you like, and you're like I I like the guy. I'm glad he's not my team's coach, but I do like him. Right. Um, yeah. And he got asked 
by the media about, you know, is Soldier Field's a tough place to play? And he goes, I'm pretty sure they lost their last two games there. <laughs> oh. It's like, yeah, well, you're right. They did. <laughs> he seems to be have extra enjoyment because um, he's a Chicago area guy. He and is, I think he? he assumed at some point he was going to get to coach the Bears, and it just never happened. Of course, he also thought he was going to get to coach the Cowboys at some point, and that didn't happen. But he's done a nice job in Minnesota. But he's, uh, I think he's got some limitations, so he can stay there. That's fine. Oh, yeah. He is a Chicago area guy. Lockport, like the hometown of Ron Coomer. Oh, yeah. Him and maybe Coom. You probably see Coom on the sidelines. Him and the Coom. Oh, dog. wait. He's got a game to. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Ron's not here. We don't know where he is. And then you see him standing next to Zimmer on the sidelines. <laughs> going, and hey, this is neat. Letterman's jacket. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, well, guys. Yeah. Well, nice job. See you next week. Hopefully we'll next week it'll be a three-game win streak. And As we uh, head into London. Because it's this is a big game. You do not want to start off. You can't start no. 0-2 in the division. Yeah, sure no. You can't lose no. two home games to start nope. the division. No, nope. so. you're right. Yeah, if they, if they can beat Minnesota, then I, their schedule over the next couple of weeks after that shapes up pretty favorably. So this is this would be a good time to start a run. Yeah, big game. All right. Well, All go right. Bears. Thanks, guys. Go Bears. All right. Thanks, guys. See you.